Wes, am I eating my mic good enough? Well enough? Yeah. All right. Eat, hashtag eat the mic. All right. We'll start that one. Apparently, my mic's been too far. It's not like my voice isn't loud enough, but um, either way, it's been a little, I, I had to get it closer to my mouth, so that's good. Are you guys ready? I'm super pumped. This is good stuff. We get to talk about a man named Jesus. Hey, hey. that's not what I was going to say, but you're right. We are going to be talking about Jesus too. That's good. No, we're talking about a man named Jehoshaphat. Now, who's going to name their kid Jehoshaphat? All right, fair enough. I got sick with disease. I have three kids. They're all in disease. So my fourth kid, no, I'm not saying we have one on the way. Not that we know of, at least. Uh, but we're going to have to shoot for a Z name for the fourth one. Shocker. So, hey, we're going to be talking about giving. Do you guys like how original I come up with these titles? I mean, that took me a long time to think about that one. That was, that was brutal. It took me about an hour, but we came along. It is give thanks. And that's actually going to be the core of our passages first. Thessalonians 5.18, but we're actually going to be starting off about this man named Jehoshaphat. So fun to say. A couple things about Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. He was about the fourth king of Judah, and it was about 873 BC that he took over kingship of Judah. Now, his pops, his dad, his father, Asa, was the king before him. He took over at about age 35, okay? Now, some things to know about him. Actually, he was a good king. Now, of course, as everybody, we have our issues. We make our mistakes. He made his mistakes. But one of the things that he was actually known for very well was the fact that he actually tore down idols. Idolatry was huge back then. And it's huge in 2022 as well. It just takes on a different form. Jehoshaphat came in, and he destroyed these idols. He destroyed these Asherah poles that people would go to worship. And he did a lot of good things about the king, about God's kingdom. Now, we're going to start reading off here in 2 Chronicles 20. Now, we got a lot to get through here, but this is good, good stuff. So after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Mayunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, some people came and they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. In other words, there's people coming for you. They want, this isn't just like a little friendly, friendly. This is like they want to kill you. They want to murder you. They want to take you out. They have no good intention for you whatsoever. They're from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it is already in Hezazan Tamar, which is En Gedai. Now, this is awesome. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to flip open the TV to Fox News. Oh, no, wait. Let me try the other side. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to flip on CNN. Oh, can you guys help me out here? He went to Google. No, wait, Dr. Oz? No. Oprah? No. Nothing against Oprah. That's all good. Don't worry. He went to God. He went straight to the Lord. That's what Jehoshaphat did. He's like, they're coming to kill us. I'm going to God. God's got the answer. So he proclaims a fast for all Judah. Now a fast is depriving yourselves of life's luxuries to encounter God on a greater level. So he went for a fast. The people of Judah, they came together to seek help from the Lord. They came together, you guys are all together, to seek help from the Lord. 
Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and this is what he said. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Did you not give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, and they have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying this. Check this out. This is what they say. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we're going to stand in your presence. We're going to stand by you before this temple that bears your name, and we're going to cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Now that's faith. God, we're going to cry out to you, and you're going to hear us, and you're going to save us. They know it. Next slide. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. They had mercy on them. But see how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? Guys, we got to hone in on this. This is amazing. I love this so much. For we have no power. Okay, we're done. We got nothing. They are way bigger than us. They're badder than us. It's like facing the Packers when you're the Bears. We got nothing. Like, we we got no shot. Eddie, I love you wherever you're at, buddy. I love you so much. Please. But we don't know what to do. We're done. We got nothing. But our eyes are on you, God. We got nothing. Done. Zilch. Nada. But we got our eyes on you. Game changer right there. That's all. That's it. Our eyes are on you. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Next slide. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. So this is awesome. So Jehoshaphat goes and prays. Then the spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, you got to follow the lineage. The son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he says this, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what God says. This is what the Lord says to you. So remember, Jehoshaphat prays. Jehaziel gets the spirit. The spirit falls upon him and he prophesies. And he goes, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Don't don't worry. Don't be afraid. For the battle is not yours. It's God's. It's not yours. It's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. That's interesting. You're not going to have to fight it, but you still have to go. Take up your positions. Stand firm. Check this out. Watch God deliver you. Watch the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and God will be with you. Let's keep moving here. We got more. This is awesome. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. 
Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, <laughs> oh man, I love this. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, hey, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. This is the king now. King's like, listen up. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith and you will win. You will be successful, but trust God. Trust him. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. <laughs> this is great, guys. Okay, so God says, I need you to go to war, but don't worry, I got the battle. Okay, so get there, stand firm, and now this is what Jehoshaphat, I'm the king, I got the answers, here's what we're gonna do, guys. Here's our game plan, let's go. All right, I need the men in the room who can sing. I need the men in the room who can sing. We're going to sing to the Lord and we're going to praise him for his splendor of his holiness as they went out to the head of the army. Okay, so in other words, I need my warriors. I need the people who are going to sing, who are going to praise God. It's like, let's grab the Mill City Youth Worship Team. Let's grab the Mill City Worship Team. It's time to get praising. And not only that, you know where you want to bring the guns and the swords and like all that stuff. It's time to bring the drums. It's time to bring the drumsticks, the saxophones, the trombones, all of that. You're going to the front of the line too on top of that. Some king. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that, bud. It's awesome. So let's see what they said. This is what they said. They just start out with, give thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures of all time. There's no beginning. There's no end to the love of God. It endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites, they rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground and no one's escaped. So worship team up on stage here goes and crushes life and all of a sudden the warriors get there and like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> all right, we're out, see ya. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. This is wild. When the men of Judah, they saw that, and Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also article of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, there was so much good, so much reward, that it took three days to collect it. And they showed up, and the battle was already won because the worshipers came and praised God before they saw the victory. So on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. Hey, I, I had that highlight. Think of this, guys. They praised the Lord before, before they saw the victory. And then what happens once they got the victory? They praised the Lord again. It was all throughout. It was praise God before, praise God after. We're going to just praise God. We're going to give him his rightful due. And I'm telling you, you want to win the battle, praise is the antidote. Praise 
will win the battle for you. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah, they returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. He'd given them a reason to rejoice over their enemies. And they entered Jerusalem and they went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. Trombones, unfortunately, probably weren't there at that time. I played the trombone. I played jazz band. I wish they had a trombone. <sighs> someday, someday. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. And when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on some sides or every side. Every side. You guys got it. You guys are good at this. Man alive. An incredible story, and that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to talk about some things about thankfulness. It's not even Thanksgiving. It's October, and we're talking about thankfulness. Praise the Lord. Let's go. This is good stuff. And I want to talk about something about thankfulness. And one of the things I want to mention is thankfulness actually brings protection. Thankfulness brings protection. Well, first of all, as you guys saw with Jehoshaphat, that was clear there. That obviously brought protection, and not only protection, but it brought breakthrough. But let's read on here in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I'm going to double down. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about some things. No, don't be anxious about anything, 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 anything. Don't be anxious about it. But in every situation, let's do this again. Some situations or every situation? Every situation, praise God. Every situation by prayer and petition, here it is, with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. Here's what's going to happen. The peace of God, which your mind can't even fully comprehend because it's outside of our world here, it's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what, when you bring your prayer, you bring your request with thanksgiving, all of a sudden it attracts God's peace into your life. So now you have God's peace that's actually guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And that's where the main war is waged. We've talked about this before. It's the battlefield of the mind. If Satan can get a hold of this, he has you where he wants you. It's the war within your head. So how do we put up the barriers, the proper guards? It's the peace of God. How do we get the peace of God in our life? We start praising him. We start thanking him. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers. It's against the authority. It's against the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against your coworker. It's against the spiritual forces underneath whatever is going on. When it comes to thankfulness, think about this. When we call to Marines or the Army or anybody going to war, do you really think the soldiers feel like putting on their protection? Do you really think they just get up like, yeah, I'm so excited. I get to put my breastplate on and have people shoot at me. This is great. Yeah, love it. Drink some coffee. Let's go. Of course not. But they do it anyway because their life is on the line. 
Your life every day is on the line and you have to, whether you feel like it or not, put on the armor of thankfulness. Not just thankfulness for whatever. I'm talking thankfulness towards God and all that he has done. There's going to be so many days and that's really the common state of this culture is only be thankful when you get something. Only be thankful when you see it in your life. This is an upside down kingdom mentality where God's like, I want you to be thankful before you even see it come in your life because that's faith. Colossians 4.2, did you guys know that it's actually possible to be praying to God with your armor down? But wait, Jake, I, 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 I'm praying, so like I got my armor up, like we're good. Well, let's see what Colossians says about that. Devote yourselves to prayer, awesome, praise God, with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Okay, but I thought if I'm just praying, I'm automatically alert. Um, well, look at the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, yo, couldn't you stay awake for me? You tried. Help. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Well, truly, now I want you to hear me. Don't, don't hear the wrong thing. Even if you're getting distracted, God is still much more happy that you're coming to him in prayer regardless, okay? So I want to like lay that down here for you. Just the, the mere step that you're taking to come to him in prayer, he loves that. He really does. That, that is honorable to him. But there is a more effective way to pray and, and to come to God. You know, it talks about being alert. And like I said, how do we be alert? Thankful thankfulness. We come to God with a heart of thankfulness. That's how we stay alert. Thanksgiving. We just read in Philippians, bring all your requests to God with thanksgiving. And I'm going to be the first one to admit, everybody, that I have been distracted in prayer plenty of times. I'm sure you guys have been there too, okay? Now, <clears throat> unless you're a cyborg or you're just birthed out of the womb with a silver spoon in your mouth, you may have had some financial issues at some point in your life or are going through some financial issues now, okay? That's a very common one for culture that at some point in your life, you understood what it felt like to be struggling with finances. <clears throat> and we come to God in prayer and he's so happy, but it kind of starts to look like this if we don't come to him with a heart of thankfulness. It kind of is like, hey God, I need help. Finances, there they are again. I got this bill to pay and oh man, I, f I forgot about that situation. And Oh shoot, I, I have this credit card over here. Oh man, okay. And I, oh, that interest rate's really hiking on me. And oh man, oh, I have not paid that creditor for a while. And <clears throat> God, God, I'm sorry, God, I, hi, hi, I'm, I'm here. Uh, I, oh, but I have to call that person tomorrow. And if you have a business and you gotta get money from that homeowner here and you know, I, 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 oh, but no, no, guys. And before you know it, you get in a rabbit trail and you end off worse off than when you first came in. No, it should be God. Thank you, God, that you are my provider. Thank you, God, that I have more than enough in Christ Jesus, that you will always come through for me, that you are more than enough, that you are everything I need, and I love you, and I praise you, God. This is minute, whatever dollar amount it is, you're my provider. I have faith in you, I trust you, and you will come through for me, and I will see it, and I am praising you before I even see it, God. And then when I do see it, when, not if, when I do see you come through for me, I'm praising you again, just like Jehoshaphat. I'm praising you before, 
I'm praising you through it all, and I'm praising you after. You don't feel like praising God when your finances suck, but you praise him anyway because he is so much bigger and so much better than the financial issues that we go through in life. Which moves me to the next point. Thanksgiving moves the heart of God. It moves the heart of God. Psalm 50, 14 says, Offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. A sacrifice. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. Fulfill the promises that you made to the Most High. Psalm 50, 23, The one who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving is the one who honors me, and it is to the one who charts the correct path that I will show divine salvation. Jonah 2, 9, But me, I will offer a sacrifice to you with a voice of thanks, that which I have promised I will pay deliverance belongs to the Lord. And Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Bring it all to him. Give thanks to him and bless his name. One of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful sacrifices that you will ever bring to God is to praise God in your suffering. One of the most beautiful sacrifices you will ever bring to God is to praise God in your suffering. I want to draw our attention to some verses here in Hebrews, and we got to really find the right context. Whereas Hebrews is great. I love Hebrews. They're, there's so much that talks about the Old Testament law and how Jesus was the fulfillment of that law and everything that came to be from that and how he is our high priest and he correlates the high priestship to the ones in the Old Testament before he came. Guys, the whole Bible just points right back to Jesus and it's beautiful. But in Hebrews 12, 28 through 29, it says this, therefore, now this, remember, when you see therefore, clearly there's a continuing context here, okay? There's a continuing sentence from before. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, since this world is not our home, in other words, let's be thankful. Let's praise God. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Guys, it, it was last night, this part, let us worship God acceptably, hit me in a new way last night. I, it was just last night as I was going through this, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. If you don't look at the word of God and say, oh, until the day you die, till you look at the Bible and you go, this is incredible, then you're dead inside. We are never at the pinnacle of all that we can know here on earth. Every single day, we should be in the word of God and be transformed by the creator of the universe. Do we really think that we can come to the very depths of God and know all that there is to know about scripture? We should have these moments continually. We're like, this is incredible. Guys, the, the context here in Hebrews is he was talking about those who were suffering. So he says, hey, I know you're suffering. I know that your life is on the line. You are being martyrs and you are being mistreated and thrown in prison. But hey, you have a kingdom coming that it can't be moved. It can't be shaken. So be thankful. This world is not your home. You don't live by this world's ecosystem. You don't live by this world's culture. You're outside of it. You're a voyager. And you're going to receive a kingdom that can't be shaken. So be thankful. And so worship God. I love it. And so 
and so worship God acceptably. What is acceptable? Worship in your suffering. That is acceptable worship. And it blesses the heart of God. Moving on to Hebrews 13, and it says, and so Jesus, so we're, we're just, we're skipping over a few verses and we're really in the same breath of Hebrews 12. And it says, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. For we here, we do not have an enduring city. Once again, this world's not our home, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name in the midst of suffering. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. Once again, I, I want to draw this into the key of this verse here. Bringing praise to God at any point in life is flat out amazing any point in life, the good, the bad. But what's a true sacrifice of praise, a true sacrifice of bringing glory to God's name is in your suffering. And when you praise God in your suffering, you move God's heart in profound ways. But I love it because God's not this egomaniac, okay, who just wants it all for him. He knows when you praise him, it's going to bless you. He is due the praise. He always will be due the praise, but it's twofold. He's like, I know you'll be blessed by it too because you put your attention on me and you stop focusing on the things that are around you. The other point I want to draw to is how thankfulness is stronger than circumstance. Thankfulness is stronger than circumstance. Wouldn't that be sad if Jesus just died on the cross just to give us reason, only to rejoice in the good times? Just like culture, just like humanity, just like the way that we see it everywhere else. Well, that, that's kind of bleak if you were to ask me. No, God, he died. Jesus died on the cross so we could praise him in the bad too. Once again, what did Jehoshaphat do? He praised God. Didn't matter. They're literally life on the line, heads about to be taken off. And he's like, we're inquiring of God. We're looking towards God. We're praising God. And he's going to come through for us. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've already received it. That's twisted in culture's eyes. Well, that's weird. Why would I, why would I believe that I've already received it? Like, that's, that's super strange. Yeah, praise God before you see the breakthrough come. True joy that we receive from the Father, true joy gives you the permission to experience the breakthrough before you experience the breakthrough. That's joy. Why? Because if you know that God's going to come through for you, if you already see the end result and he's going to come through for you, why wouldn't you praise him ahead of time? Why wouldn't you get a head start on the praise? That's faith. Now, does that mean that you just flat out deny all of reality and nothing's actually happening to you? No, of course not. You just acknowledge that God is more big and more real than the current reality you're facing. It's about not being impressed with your problem because you're so impressed with God. That's faith. That's trust. That's knowing your God is so much bigger. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I love this. Now faith is the confidence 
of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. That's faith. I don't see it physically right now. A lot of you guys are going through trials right now in your life and you don't see the solution yet. But God's saying, put your eyes on him. The solution will come. As just naturally a byproduct of you showing up to the battle to start praising him, the solution and the breakthrough will come in your life. So why thank God? Why thank him? Why praise him? Because Jesus has done everything for us that we could ever imagine. There is not a greater gift that this world can get encounter the most, the best form of sacrifice. There's not a greater one than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that God would give his one and only son to us, we will never be able to witness anything greater than that gift. We can try, we can, we can scratch and claw and look everywhere, but we can never experience anything greater than that. When you have faith in that, when you have faith in God, when you have faith in all he's done, faith should actually bring thankfulness. But some of you need to hear this today is sometimes you need to thank your way into faith. I don't feel it, Jake, but I'm going to thank God. I don't feel it, but I'm going to praise God. And before you know it, you thank him and you praise him and you honor him and you revere him and you worship him and you love him. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready. I can, he strengthens you from the inside. And all of a sudden now you start feeling this faith well up. You didn't even know it was there because you just took a step of obedience and you're like, God, I'm just going to praise you. I don't get it. I don't understand. I have no answers. I just know you're good. I just know you're faithful. He is faithful when we are not. And so I'm just like, God, you're amazing. What more can I say? You're the best. And all of a sudden you start feeling this faith well up inside of you because you just took a step of obedience and you just praised him no matter what. It wasn't circumstantial because joy is not circumstantial. Joy is way better than circumstances. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Another point I want to hit on is how thankfulness, you guys know this, refines perspective. When you guys keep a thankful heart, you start to see your perspective change. I mean, how many of you have thought of people and other, I mean, we are so spoiled here in America, but how many of you have thought of people who, who don't have clothes on their back, who don't have a roof over their head, who don't have food just literally at every corner they can just eat and they don't have to worry about where it comes from and like, like praise God, that's great and it's rightful place and it is. But how many of you have been there where you see this need and your heart Raise your hand if you've worked at the market here at Mill City for any capacity. And I'm sure all of you have been changed and transformed by something you have seen and it has made you thankful. It's like, whoa, God, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't realize the struggle that they were going through. And all of a sudden, it starts bringing things back into perspective for your life. God blesses us abundantly, and then we're so quick to forget. Guys, this was the common state, the common thread of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. They would see God come through, and they were God's chosen people. They, he, they would see God come through. He would do his thing. He would deliver them from oppression and slavery and sickness and disease and wearing out of the clothes and, like, all of this stuff. And then they'd be so quick to be, all right, God, I want the next thing. 
I want the next thing. Nope. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> Thanks. Well, duh. Of course you're bringing us manna. Of course you're bringing us food. But what? I want more. I, I, I want more. I want the better. And God's like, I'm literally providing for you every single day, and you don't even deserve it. And yet I'm still providing for you. And we're just so quick to get discontent. And truly, I think that is one of the things that plagues America, is discontentment. You know, in Luke, we hear about these 10 lepers. And in chapter 17, 11 through 17, let's read about this. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, one of them, how many were there? Ten. One of them came back. He saw he was healed. All ten were healed. Only one came back. And he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. That's key. He wasn't God's chosen people. He was a foreigner. Jesus makes this clear. He says, Jesus asked. So Jesus responds to this like he loves this. But then he goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. Weren't all 10 cleansed? Like, math ain't adding up. Didn't 10 come to me and I healed all 10 of them? And you're the only one, which by the way, you're a foreigner. That's not Jesus diminishing this man. That's not the point. There's a, there's a huge point to him being a foreigner. And then he said to him, hey, rise up. Get off the ground. I love you. You're healed. Go your way. The Jews were God's chosen people and still are. And the Jews, we can reasonably assert that the other nine were the church folk. You guys have seen it. A Samaritan who were enemies of Jews, Jesus being a Jew, Jesus is like, wait, so the one that's actually my enemy, the enemy of the Jews, where, where Jewish culture marginalizes the Samaritans, you're the only one coming back to me? Could it be that that Samaritan realized what he was truly cleansed from? I don't have it on the, on the board here, but it talks about in Scripture how he who has been forgiven much loves much. Does God forgive like some here and some there? No, we were all dead. And Christ made us alive. But if we don't realize the typical American dream, well, I'm a good person. I didn't kill anyone. I like, I, if you were to ask 99% of Americans, say, hey, are you a good person? Like, yeah, I think I'm a good person. Yeah, I'm fine. No, but James says, you broke one law, you broke them all. So we're dead before God if we have not given our life to God. Not because God wants that, but because God is a just God. He's a righteous God. And anything less than perfect can't stand in his presence, which is why we need the perfection of Jesus to stand in his presence, which Hebrews says confidently, we can confidently go to God. But I would say the other nine, who, like I said, I would make the claim that they were Jews, were like, well, of course I was healed. 
I am God's chosen people, <laughs> you know, like we're Gucci with God, you know, like we're awesome. And he's like, no, 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 no. The one who actually realized what he was forgiven from, what he was cleansed from came back and he praised God. And it's time that we gain our perspective back. That Samaritan had the right perspective. We need to realize what we have been given. Life eternal that we didn't deserve, we couldn't earn, freedom from death. We didn't get what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be going to hell. That's what we deserve, but God's love is so much greater, so much bigger. And we need to gain our perspective back so we understand how good our God really is. And when you bring thankfulness, you are acknowledging the qualities and the characteristics of God. You are bringing it all to him. You are keeping your focus refined on him and his glory and his beauty. If you were here when Pastor Steve talked about Isaiah and he just fell before and like, I, I'm ruined because God is so good. And I got nothing. My accolades on earth are nothing compared to the knowledge of God. Everything we have is filthy rags unless we come to God and say, I need you. You are righteous, I am not, but when I accept you, I become your righteousness. I become clothed in Christ. That's good news. That we were dead and now God gives us his righteousness? It's, it's almost absurd to say because it's so good. When you start to remember all that he has done, life's issues they lose their influencing voice and the lies that come with it. They don't have the power they once did. They never had power in the beginning, but we give them power up here to ruin us. You know, 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says that godliness with contentment, notice how it didn't just say contentment's great gain. No, you gotta pair that with godliness. We can be content in society. I got a good paycheck. Yeah, I got some nice clothes, raising a nice family. And that's fine. That's not wrong to appreciate that. That's, that's good stuff. But that's not godly contentment. Godly contentment is, hey, God, I know that these clothes on my back are from you. I know the food in my mouth and in my belly is from you. I know that all my protection is from you and your provision on me. It's all you. It's nothing I did. I'm good, like, because, God, you're the best. And I'm thankful. I'm just thankful, God. Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Think about just focusing on God for that. How majestic is your name? You have set your glory in the heavens. Okay, so if God's glory is in the heavens, let's look at it. Let's behold it. But he also brings his glory down to us in the form of Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you for every person who's given their life to Christ. So God, you're so good. You set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold. Jesus actually talks about this in the New Testament. He alludes back to Psalm 8. You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And when I consider your heavens, when my mind gets set on you, on your heavens and what you've done, the work of your hands, your fingers, what you have intertwined together, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mine? mankind, that you're mindful of us. 
like, like, really, who are we when we consider human beings that you would care for them? I mean, Jesus says if he even cares for the sparrows that are dirt cheap, and he cares and not a single one falls to the ground without him knowing, how much more will he care for you? Go read Matthew 6. It's beautiful. What is my, mankind that you're mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? God, when I think about what you've done, when I think about your glory, when I think about your provision and your love and your grace and your mercy, God, why would you consider me? But you did, and I thank you, God. When you put your focus back on God and you start thanking him for who he is, what he's done, all of a sudden you go, Nobody looks at the stars and goes, see what I did there? I'm awesome. No, they go, oh, I'm really small. Krista and I, we went on our way to Nashville. I can't remember if I said this out loud or not, but we passed over this like huge crater in the earth. Like just, I don't know if it was a quarry or what exactly, just huge. I, I think I said out loud, I feel really small. You see these works of God's hands and you're like, who am I really? You're puffed up on your high chair and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm about to get off. Because God is so much bigger. You ever see a crazy thunderstorm or a tornado? You're like, you're just mesmerized by it. You're in awe of it. And when you realize how big God really is, all of a sudden life's problems start being put back into proper perspective. He created the stars and he knows them by name. He knows every hair on our head. The oceans literally stop when he says stop. He does not let them go past their boundary. That's the big God who cares for us little people. That's a good God. We need to thank God for our own life's sake. We need to thank God in the good and the bad, and we praise him, we thank him, and we focus on him. We're going to take some time. And actually, let me ask, could you guys all stand, please? This is going to be a good time for the Lord to work. We're excited. And the first question I just want to start by asking. I don't know if, if there's some people in here you've never given your life to Jesus. It's kind of a new concept for you. Maybe you've never heard it preach this way. I, I don't know. But if that is you and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that today, I, I'd, be, I'd be doing a disservice not to at least offer that opportunity. Now I'm just going to ask you, nobody looking around, just, just ask, if that's you, would you just be bold enough to raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus in your life for the very first time? I would like to ask another bold question. As I'm talking here, I, I know that there's a lot of just crap that you're going through. I get it. 
I might not know exactly what every single person is going through, but God's word does. God's word was set up for everything of life's problems. God is, Jesus is the word. He is life itself. Another thing, if you would just be so bold, if you're going through a trial right now, it could be, I'm going through this issue and I just don't know what to do. Maybe you're still going through the trial and God has given you the answer. He's shown you like maybe what next step, but you're still going through that trial. Whatever, we all have our life's issues and whatever trial that is, if you are going through it, you know it. You know if that's you. If you are going through it today, would you be so bold to raise your hand? Lots of hands. Lots of hands. Wow. Anybody else, if you were just going through it today, you don't know what's next. You're scared. You're frightened. You, you don't know. Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands on. Here's what we're going to do today, guys. God is going to do an amazing thing in your life this morning, and I'm so excited. Please do not rush this time because we're going to take some time right now, and we're just going to worship God. We're just, we're, we're not on a time schedule here. We're just going to worship God. We're going to praise him. And I want to challenge you, if you are going through it this morning, I'm going to challenge you. It's okay to say, I don't have the answer. That's a good thing because then you're like, okay, God, but you do. So I'm going to put my eyes on you. And I want that to be a time this morning where we're just going to give God his rightful praise. So it might not be characteristic of you to just kind of thank God and almost feel like you're just thanking him randomly. Do it. Trust his word and just thank him. And say it out loud. When, when we're going here, just start, God, you are good. God, you are amazing. God, you are so big. God, you're the best. You're a good father. Not just a father, you're a good. The definition of good Father, and I can trust you. You're faithful when I am not. God, you know what I'm going through, but I'm going to bring it to you anyway with thankfulness because I thank you for this trial. Not that you caused this trial, but that you're going to deliver me from the trial. You're going to walk through it like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was in the fire with them. He, they, they didn't even smell of smoke, y'all. The ropes were burnt off. God took care of them in the fire. They experienced God in a way they never would have dreamed that they could have in that fire because they saw God's character. They saw his protection. They saw him deliver them. So it's time today to approach the battlefield, but it's time to know God's got your battle. It's time to put your swords away, put your human means away to win this, but show up to the battle and start praising God. Go to the front of the battle line and start praising God and watch how he delivers you. Please hear me out. I know sometimes you gotta go get kids. I ended early on purpose, okay? Your kids are fine. My kids are taking great care of them. <laughs> your kids will be good, okay? This is time between you and God. This is time for you to have. So what we're going to do, if you want to come to the front of the altars, if you want to be around the room, if you just want to take your time, this is just a time, hey, God, you and me, let's go. We don't have a timetable. We're going to see what God does with this. I'm not going to rush God. Shame on me. So we're just going to praise him. We're going to thank him. We're going to take our eyes off of our problem. 
I'm not saying it's not there. I'm saying God's so much better and he's so much bigger. Taste and see that the Lord is good because you'll realize your problems in life, they don't have the influencing voice that you thought they did. So God, we love you. We're gonna worship, we're gonna take time just to praise you, just to thank you, God, just to love you, to give you all the glory, all the praise. God, in our trials and the issues that we're going through, God, the battle is not ours, it's yours. We're gonna show up to the battlefield, we're not gonna run, we're gonna praise, we're gonna thank you. We're gonna use this time, God, to just see what you're gonna do, Holy Spirit. So I give you full permission to sweep through this room, impact our lives, impact my life like never before. God, I want to experience you at a new level. There's so much. We haven't even scratched the surface of your goodness and all that you want to do, God, and we're going to just praise you. And it's in your name, God, we give you all the glory.